Welcome to uh, Ryan Spell's podcast, and uh, I'm excited to have Devin Miller um, with me today with Miller IP, and uh, we are going to be talking about some of his expertise, but you're also an entrepreneur, Devin, so maybe give us a little bit of um, a little background on that, like how did you get into business for yourself, and and uh, what made you choose the law, and all those things. Well, I don't know that I've ever fully chosen the law, even as of now. I do have, I am a full-time attorney, have my own law firm. So I, I say that in a bit in jest, but you know, that's a much longer question and, and probably more than you'll, and hear from more than you'll ever want to hear. So I'll try and give you the condensed or short version. Um, but you know, really, I would say probably my journey was really when I was coming out of undergraduate, I was, I got an, or, so I, as a background, I got four engineers, which my wife, or four degrees, which my wife always jokes is three degrees too many. Um, <laughs> but undergraduate, I got uh, I got a dual degree or dual degrees in uh, in electrical engineering and China or Mandarin Chinese. Uh, but I was coming out of uh, undergrad and saying, "Hey, I like engineering. I don't really want to be an engineer. What do I want to be when I grow up?" And from that, I kind of had two passions. One was I th- thought the, the the law and the legal atmosphere, or the legal industry, sounded pretty interesting. I also thought business and entrepreneurship and that um, also sounded interesting. So you know, it was kind of do I go in more and get an MBA? Do I go out and start my own business? Do I go get or go to law school? And I kind of chose all of the above. So I went off and uh, did um, got both a, a law degrees, an MBA, and an MBA degree, a master's in business administration. So I did a, a dual a dual de- graduate degrees. And during that time, um, you know, I was, I think I was in my third, so it's a four-year program, cuts it down from five years if you do it at the same time, but I was three years in, and that's really, so I was doing law school, I was doing MBA school, just kind of set the stage. I also had a newborn, or I had a one-year-old and a newborn on the way, and I was working about 20 hours a week as a as a law clerk for a law firm. I said, hey, why don't I go and start a, a business? And I didn't, it didn't quite go that, it was more of you know, it was a flyer, it was either a flyer or an email. And I saw, hey, here's a um, business competition where you can go in and it's a multi, uh, multi, um, you know, um, skill level or different, you know, degrees um, type of a thing, a disciplinary, that was the word I was looking for, multidisciplinary thing. And so from that, you know, long story short, started, uh, did entered in two different years with uh, the same group, had a business that spun out from that. And that was kind of my dipping my toe into the entrepreneurial world and that business is still actually going. I've taken a, a much more um, step back from it, but I still have a lot of ownership in it. It's now a, an eight figure business and doing pretty well. Um, yeah. And so from that, basically I've always pursued two different paths, which is I've always done a, been a full-time attorney from graduating from law school, done intellectual property, worked with uh, different businesses, doing patents and trademarks, started out working big business or with big law firms about four years ago, started my own firm to start or focus on startups and small businesses. And at the same time, I've also been doing entrepreneurship. So I've done that original business I've done. Um, I've done a, a couple other businesses with a, a product development and, and or engineering business alongside the law firm. Um, I'm getting ready to start a food truck with my kids so they can learn how to run businesses. And nice. so I've always kind of had that passion to pursue business and startups and small businesses myself, as well as to do the legal side of helping startups and small businesses with their intellectual property. So that's probably as short as I can get it. It was a long answer to a short that's question, okay. <laughs> but that's kind of a little bit about a little bit about myself, anyway. 
Well, you got a lot going on. I think that's awesome. I, I have that same problem, actually. My wife's like, how many more businesses are you going to start? And I'm like, I, that's a question I can't answer. <laughs> Is there a limit? Why do I have to yeah. choose? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So what is that other business that you're, uh, the eight figure business you, you said? Yeah. So if I were to go, and that's a, a discussion. So that one is a, it's a wearable, it's a, it started out as a wearable technology. So maybe to give you just a, a little bit of background and it'll answer your question. So the, when I start when I entered the business competition, first year we did it, um, we did, you know, what well, was kind of a dumb, or dumb, it wasn't a bad idea. It was just never going to work in the marketplace, which was, we had an idea of how to make uh, gym bags less smelly, with uh, some different uh, or ways of going about that, we did the competition. Didn't didn't or we took second place, but didn't really have any real business opportunities. So we just kind of let that go. But the second year, um, it was we were trying to say, hey, we'd like to got the group back together and said we'd like to do something. And so we said, well, what do we want to do? We don't really want to do the other or old idea. So why don't we come up with something new? And we brainstormed some dumb ideas like self packing boxes and stuff like that. Um, and I remember when I was walking home one day from our brainstorming group or yeah, or session came up or was thinking about what we could do. And really one of the ideas that came to mind is at that point, you know, I've been running uh, basically since or since I was at least in college, most or almost every day, even today, like I ran, I usually run about anywhere from seven and a half to nine miles in the morning each morning. Um, and so I'd been I'd done my first marathon at that point. That wouldn't it be cool if you could do hydration monitoring is a wearable. This was back in the day before Fitbit. It was before Apple watches or any of them are kind of more ubiquitous things now and said, wouldn't it be cool if you could have a wearable to just tell you what your hydration level is so you could better monitor if you need to drink and how hydrated you are. And that's where the business started. Now the business evolved and where it's at today is it's actually in wearable diabetes monitoring and sounds like it's a little bit different, but a lot of the technologies that we originally came up with the hydration, um, we started out the business there, started to grow or getting some traction, kind of getting to the next level of the business. And we're saying we either need to go out and get another round of investment dollars and, and really hit it hard. And while we were going through that activity, got married up or, or got connected with another business that was kind of more on the operational side of doing diabetes monitoring, came to find out it was a pretty good match. And so we kind of combined or joined those companies together. And that's where that business is at today, which is uh, doing some uh, wearables with diabetes monitoring. Wow, that's awesome. That's a cool idea, too. That's something that... Uh... I've seen in my family, um, you know, quite a bit too. So that's a major problem, but that's cool. Well, I love that you love small businesses too, because that is, um, that's my passion as well. I actually, all of our clients with connection publishing fit mm. that bill, you know, and, and I, it's just a special, it's a special type of person that's willing to run a small local business that has, you know, local employees that builds up the local economy and all of those things. So um, I love that you have that passion as well. So, well, um, so let's, let's dive in. We, I call this portion of my uh, podcast expert interviews. And so I'd like to talk a little bit about a, what made you choose IP law to start with? And then um, I'd really just like to have a conversation about some of the pitfalls that um, new businesses might make and how you can kind of guide them. And just uh, the way we met, I'll, I'll start with this is we um, are just launching a new business, you know, obviously that um, with what to eat for dinner. And I just wanted to make sure we weren't violating any copyright law. So I booked an appointment with you and, and uh, um, 
I found your process to be, uh, and, and you can talk about this a little bit too, because, you know, I think law firms are a little intimidating and, uh, I'm not as, you know, shy as some would probably be. And I still find them intimidating. And so I went into your website, you were very clear about what you do. You know, you offer a free consultation for anybody who wants it. I knew I needed advice. So I just booked a paid call. Cause I was like this, you know, I just need to dive in here and get, get the answers, but you had, you know, 15 minute options, 30 minute options, hour long options. Like you made it very easy for me to schedule an appointment with you. And, um, which I thought was, was awesome. So maybe talk a little bit about why IP and then a little bit about pitfalls and what you'd recommend. And then the third thing will just be, you know, how you set up your system. Um, I went to a training down at uh, Davis tech about a month ago and the trainer or the, the speaker, he was like successful organizations have successful systems and that sat with me really well. I was like, you know, that's the key to having a successful business is developing those systems, which I think you've done. So anyway, I'll, I'll turn it back to you. And that was a lot, a lot of questions all at once. I, <laughs> I got to get better at this and ask questions one at a time, but. <laughs> no, you're good. No, I, that's what I was going to say. Is that there was a few questions in there. I'll hit on as many as my memory allows me to keep it in, in, in my mind. And then, I, then I'll let you uh, follow up with any that I missed. <laughs> uh, but I think the first question was, is, you know, kind of why IP or how did I get into it? And I kind of hit on that a little bit as to, you know, kind of at that their forefront, you know, when I, when you get down to IP specific, so I was coming out of undergraduate degree, had electrical engineering. I liked electrical engineering. I like engineering and figuring out how things work. But the reason I always joke that I don't like, um, I don't like, didn't want to be an engineer was because I didn't, you know, most engineers, you get, you're a, a small cog in a very big wheel, meaning you're going to be put on a project, usually start out, you know, fairly low level, take, you're on one project for years at a time. It takes a long time to work through management to get to an upper level to where you ever have any real decisions impact or kind of or have a, a bigger purview as to what the projects are. And so I just kind of looked at that and said, that really doesn't fit what I want to do. I don't know that I want to be stuck on one project for a long period of time being a small cog in a big wheel. I liked a lot more diversity. And so I said, you know, in, or one the fun thing about intellectual property is, is you get to work with a lot of businesses, see a lot of cool things, still participate, but you get a lot more of that diversity. And so, you know, at any given time, you're working with different clients on different projects. You're going to hear about their inventions, about their businesses, about their brands. And so I kind of get that entrepreneur, you know, scratch that itch while and also going to utilize a lot of what I did in engineering and uh, and get to do part of the law, which is I would like to, um, you know, ha de have debates and discussions. So it kind of just fit well with what I was wanting to do, both from entrepreneurship and or having a lot of different diversity and all those type of things. And so that's really kind of what led me into to intellectual property. So I've already gotten to the, I think, what is the end of the first question? I already forgot what the second question is. So you're going to have to remind <laughs> me what the second question was. Well, I think... Um... The, the second part was the pitfalls and the common things you're dealing with, with intellectual property. What, you know, I, I think on intellectual property side, you know, if somebody's starting a plumbing business, they, they don't really necessarily need to worry about IP law, but who's coming to you? What are the common things you're seeing and the common problems you're seeing? You know, what types of businesses are they? And, um, you know, we, we're sending this podcast out to all of our all of our advertising clients. So we've got, uh, you know, a 
group of small business owners, but a lot of them are entrepreneurs. A lot of them are people thinking this way. So what, what are things you do to help those businesses, you know, navigate some of these, these challenging things? Yeah. I mean, so I, I was maybe starting at the the pitfalls. And so, I mean, I think that there, there, you know, that could be hours long discussion and I'd find it interesting and I'm sure the audience would all fall asleep. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I think one of the things, a few things maybe that come to mind, one is, you know, people because, and you hit on that, you know, it's a little bit of intimidation. A lot of times people think, Hey, attorneys are really expensive. And sometimes they, they are very expensive. And I think people kind of continue to push that off and say, Hey, I'll deal with that someday. I'll worry about that down the road. And you just kind of keep pushing it off and pushing it off until basically you, you aren't able to push it off anymore because reality hits in the face and you're having to deal with an issue of, Hey, I've got to cease and desist letter, or maybe I want to go get this protected because, you know, I'm finally, or we're seeing some knockoffs or some competitors, or I'm going to go try and sell the business and how do I capture all the value or I'm going to investors and they're wanting to say, how am I protected? All of those things. And you kind of push it off. And with most of intellectual property, it has to be done earlier on than, than people oftentimes recognize. So give me a more real world example. So if you're to take patents as an example, and patents are used to protect an invention. So something that has a functionality doesn't can be hardware, software, mechanical, a lot of different types of inventions. But, you know, there is a, a, a law out there, a statute that once you put an invention out in the public, you have a year from that time frame within which you can file a, on a, a patent on it. So if you're to go out and let's say you launched it, put it on a website, started selling it, and you know, and then you waited a couple of years, and you know this has happened, and you have people come to the office and say, "Hey, I've got this really great idea. You know, we've been out selling for a while, and we're starting to get some traction, and we just want to make sure we're covered so somebody else doesn't come off and, and knock it off." And then my usually my first question is, "Is well, you say you've been out there for a while. You know, how long has that been? Oh, it's been a couple of years. And, you know, we're just, you know, we started out, we didn't have enough funds and enough money. And so, but we were finally getting to it. And I say, well, that's awesome. Your business is going well and glad that it's uh, it's been a success. Unfortunately, you're not able to get a patent on it because you missed that one year window. And so, you know, that is one thing that is a pitfall that I think people, and it's similar with pet trademarks with your brands and other things, but, you know, just kind of not necessarily knowing those dates and when to get started because people are intimidated or because they think it's expensive, then they don't never really get it in place or get started. And then they have those issues where it can either hinder or stop sometimes what they're able to do. Um, so that one is kind of one or pitfall. The other one that I'll hit on that at least directly comes to mind is, you know, I think that when you, you, we have been raised in a DIY culture where everything is at your fingertips. All you have to do is Google it or watch a YouTube video and you're automatically an expert on everything. <laughs> so, you know, and it's, it's kind of like, you know, so we'll have people come in and say, well, you know, I, I probably could do this myself. Right. And the best analogy I can always give is, you know, let's say you were out in the wilderness and, or you were out, you know, and, and I had a piece of land and you said, I need some shelter over my head. You know, you could probably go and without having any experience or background, you could figure out some sort of shelter, lean to twigs under a tree in a cave, something to provide shelter, not going to be very nice, not going to be very good, but it'll provide some shelter. You know, if you take the next step, you could go watch a YouTube video on how to build your own house and you could follow the steps and you're probably going to get some sort of a house and it's going to provide some form of shelter. Um, but it's not going to have air conditioning or plumbing and it's not going to last very long and it's going to have a lot of drawbacks. Or you can go and get someone that's experienced, that's built homes before, that has all that training and has, you know, all of that 
background and experience is going to make you a nice house. It's going to have all the amenities. It's going to have electricity that the plumbing is going to work and everything else. And that's kind of, you know, the best analogy I can give when you're looking at, you know, when you're, should I do this myself or can I do it myself? My answer is yes, you can do it yourself. And it depends on the quality of work that you want or the quality of protection that you want for your business. And so if you just want, Hey, something done, that's better than nothing. It's a cave. That's a shelter over my head that's all your budget and your time allows, then go do that. And that's not a problem, but don't, you know, the DIY culture, don't or try and fool yourself to the cave that you're living in your head is the same as the one that's built by someone that with background and experience. And so I think that that's another one where you get a lot of people that think, well, I can just go read a five minute article online. It's the same thing as having gone to law school and having 10 years of experience. It's right. just not the same. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And I think the the reality is if I think it's powerful nowadays for a consumer to be educated, but that education should allow them to go and say, okay, here's somebody who does know what they're talking about regarding this, not necessarily eliminating the need for that expert, just having some knowledge. So you go into a situation a little more aware is good. Yeah. But. yeah and, and sometimes it's as simple as people come to my office and, you know, say, Hey, this is what I have going on. What should I do? And I'll say, probably not nothing right now, or you don't need any of this. But you don't know that until you actually have that or background and that knowledge. And, and sometimes it's like, oh, you need to get it going right away or here's how you deal with your issues. And, you know, there's, there's a yeah. lot of different strategy that goes into every business. And I think that that's what you need or when you're looking for expertise. And that's why even, you know, you touched on we offer the free 50 minute consultations. Are you going to get every legal question you could ever have answered in 15 minutes? Absolutely not. And I'm not going to pretend to be. But what it does give is it can give you an idea as to where am I at and what are my starting points and what is the most critical things and what I should be considering. And do I have an issue that I need to address or am I pretty well covered or when should I start thinking about these things and kind of get you started in it removes a lot of that barrier of being so nervous about even going and talking with an attorney because you you feel like you walk in the door and you're going to hear the cash register, the ka-ching, ka-ching, as you're spending a lot of money on things that you right. don't even know that you need. Yeah, I think that's great too. Um, so back to the patent or the um, intellectual property approach, mm -hmm. I've had this question about the website that we're building. We're building in some unique functionality. How granular can those um, protections be? You know, is it functionality within a website? Is any of that uh you know protectable or is it is I, I mean i just feel like sometimes in technology has everything been done already and it's already um covered or is it too granular to to worry about you know our individual ideas you know i we've been scouring the web looking at all these um, recipe websites and food websites and all this stuff and there's a lot of different variations of them but they all follow a very similar pattern and uh like how how minute is the work that you do capable of protecting or considering like what does that look like yeah and i, and I have to laugh because you know there is that kind of hey you know if you're in and this is a short side note so there was a, a person that was you know back in that was the director of the u.s patent office in the i think it was in the late 1890s so not right around the turn of the century and he was famously quoted as, as a saying, everything that can be invented has been invented. <laughs> and this was back, you know, and that was before, uh, you know, the industrial revolution, didn't have electricity, didn't have smartphones, didn't have computers. And yet, you know, to him, it's like, well, basically everything that's been invented has. And, yeah. and, and so, you know, there is still 
and a, a lot of ongoing innovation. You know, one that's you know just popular that maybe resonates with people is you look at you know Google search has been around forever and say, well, there's really nothing new to do with Google search or the searching, and it's pretty well defined, and there isn't a lot of innovations. And then Microsoft Microsoft comes along with Chat GPT, which is for better or worse, making a lot of the rounds and getting a lot of interest and is showing, yeah. hey, there is another way that we can do that and we can leverage it and utilizing some artificial intelligence. And, you know, that one's a more popular one, but I see it all the time that people are making, whether it's incremental improvements, great or big or big breakthroughs, different ways of doing things and all of that. And, you know, that really provides it. So I think there's still a lot of innovation going on now. You know, the question is sometimes is, is everything that people come up with that's new or different patentable or innovative the answer is no some things are simply just while they're great and they make it for a better business doesn't always mean that it's a, a you know a patentable theme so you know we do as a law firm we do a lot of things unique we do free consultations are we the only one that does free consultations i'm sure there are other law firms that do it we right. do a streamlined process are we the only ones that do a streamlined process we are very quick to you know communicate and respond to questions and make sure people take care of are we the only ones that do that so now that combination of a lot of things i think makes us a unique and, and makes us or provide a much better or interaction is that patentable no on the other hand you know we also have done some things that in this is a whole different discussion talk about the entrepreneur side we've created a way that we do lead generation which is on social media which i do think is and we filed a patent on it because it is unique and different so there are different aspects of your business does every aspect mean it's patentable no does it mean that just because you're doing in an industry that's well-defined that you can't innovate anything in there no and so now to go on your website, you know, if you're to go to websites, websites are going to be typically hard to patent. In other words, you know, you can, if you have a really unique uh, user interface, maybe, you know, you come up with just a unique way that people interact with it, that might be patentable, you know, but a lot of times to give you another example, and there's a much more sorted history to it, but you know, for a while there, Amazon had a patent on their one-click system. Now, is that technically a, maybe a website? No, but there was a Hey, how do we make a button that gets all of your information so that as soon as you want to click on buying something, you don't have to put in where it's shipped at. You don't have to buy it, put in your purchase information. You don't have to do all that. But that was a what appears to be a simple thing on their website. And yet it has a lot of back end, a lot of innovation and that that was patentable. Um, and so that's kind of what you look at. And so it's it's not, you know, there are innovations that occur and now you're having to look and say, what are the innovations and how do we protect it? Are they protectable? And if so, how do we protect them? And that may fall under patents. It may not, it may fall under trademarks. It may not, it may fall under copyrights. It may not. And that's kind of what you're starting to, to divvy out. Cool. And I think that's what's awesome about you doing a 15 minute free consultation. Cause it's like, Hey, is this, you know, is this something we can focus on or no? And and you can give that advice, which is great. So that leads us to our third, um, our, our third, uh, my third question from earlier, your systems, you, you have developed a, a good little system. I mean, I found you on Google, but um, I was specifically looking for copyright and, uh, you know, law, and then you popped up and then you're here locally too, which, which again, I like, um, you know, I like supporting local small businesses. And so um, tell us, how did you develop those systems? Because um, I only saw one little glitch in the system and that was the total on the estimate for the charge when it popped up was wrong. But then when it, but I was like, you know what, 
I, I, this was important to me. So I was like, whatever it, that's charging the hourly rate for the 15 minutes. And I was like, it's okay. I just went forward and it charged the right amount. I was going to ask you about it, but I charged the right amount. So it ended up being, and we've already actually fixed that glitch. So, (laughs) but you know, on that note, and I know it's an aside and then I will get into a bit of our systems is, you know, I think that's the hesitation why people don't do a lot of or don't try out a lot of new and innovative things because they're so worried about that one glitch or sometimes things won't work perfectly or it'll create the wrong impression. And you kind of get so much paralyzed by fear that you don't do it. And so we're I take the opposite approach. And that's kind of why I think that a lot of our systems are in place is, you know, I came from an industry. You want to talk about an industry that really hasn't done anything new or innovative. You go to the legal industry. You could go back other than the usage of computers. I don't know that the legal industry has changed in 100 or 200 years for the most part. Now, laws have changed and things have been updated, but they're doing it the same way that they've been doing it forever. And they've really never done it. And that just doesn't fit my personality. And so I always take it from kind of turning around because I've been on both sides. I've been on the startup and small business side, continue to be on that side. And I've also been on the legal side. And I said, okay, now if I were to approach it, not from the legal side, not from what the industry standard is, but from the startup, where are the are the difficulties? Where What makes it so that startups don't do it? Or what is it when they go into the process that everybody hates or takes forever or doesn't make sense? And that's where we start to address those concerns. And so we've done that from everything from doing the free consultations, small thing, easy, not everybody's done it, but we try and make it as a system. It's, you know, you can go on and we have a scheduler that you can, whether you're a client and you can do it, it's all the same portal. Clients can schedule time. You can schedule free consultation. You can schedule some paid consultations. You cli- or you can also, if you're an attorney at the firm and you need to grab some time with me and you want to, it's all the same schedule or makes it easy, makes it a simple one place. I need to go or get some time with Miller IP Law. Where do I go? Not hard, not that we're the only breakthrough that does it, but it makes it a, a good user inter- or interaction. Same thing that we've done. We've I, I love our automation. You, you ask anybody, I'm a big automation person. But you have to do it right. And that's another thing that we found is, you know, just automating things for the auto- or sake of automation, people hate. And I'm the first one to raise my hand when you go on to that dial the phone number and you have to go through the, hey, if you need one, go here. If you need two, go here. And I'm like, I don't know which one. So you just push one and then you hopefully get to the right person. Yeah. Half the time you get to the wrong person. You wait 20 minutes. They tell you you hit the wrong extension. They transfer you to someone else. You have to wait another time. That's that's terrible automation. But what I found is, and what we've done is we've done a lot of automation that we are looking for the points that you don't need human interaction, that it really doesn't make sense, that we can make that more streamlined and efficient so that we can increase our human interaction, talk with people, help them out and otherwise be available. So we're not doing all those things that don't make sense. And so, you know, I could go on for hours and I I, I always love it, but I don't think everybody else would. Uh, but looking at, you know, where are the points that are just simple things that make it easier, that make it better interactions and how do you do that? And I just take it from a, if I was a startup, how would I approach this? If I didn't know, and I'll always ask my question of, to myself is, am I doing this because this is how it's always been done or does it, I'm doing it because it makes sense. If it, if it makes sense to me, I'm going to keep doing it because there's a reason why it's been done that way. But if it's just because, hey, this is always how it's always been done and it's how everybody's used to doing it, then I'm always looking for a way to improve it. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that was a few thoughts on it. It does for sure. It's like the old analogy of cutting the ends off the ham. Have you ever heard that one? <laughs> yep. <laughs> you cut those ends off the ham and you finally call grandma and say, why do you cut the ends off the ham? She's like, because my pen was too small. <laughs> I don't know why you do it, but this is why it made sense to me when I did it. Exactly. <laughs> well, I for me... 
Um, and I cons, I love this stuff too. So, you know, I could probably talk about it forever, but I, every time I reach a point where there's a bottleneck in our business where something is not working right and it's causes me stress or challenges every single month or every day, that's when I think, okay, there's gotta be a better system for this. There's gotta be a better way to accomplish this. And, um, that's why we've built systems the way we've done it. And, you know, not that they're perfect because they're constantly changing and moving and then things change in the business and you have to say, okay, that's not working the way I thought it would work. How could we do it better? And, um, that's pretty cool. So no, I'm, I'm right there with you. And like I said, I, I know I'm harkening back to what I did, but I think you just have to go in and saying, have the mentality that you're going to as you know, and it's, it's kind of when you're in a startup, you always feel like you're always fixing, you're always putting out fires and always fixing things, which is absolutely right. And you also get clients that just get mad at you or people or potential clients who tell you, these are all the things that I think you should do different. And if you did all these things, you'd be a much better business. And, you know, you can always take that. And sometimes you just cuss under your breath and you just get frustrated <laughs> and mad. But, you know, it does provide an opportunity to say, here's where I can or look for ways to improve or what I can do better. Is there a system? Is there a, a modification? Is there a glitch? Is this just a guy that's being a jerk and I'm just going to disregard it? Maybe. But there's also plenty of times we're saying, here's where I can improve. And even if they are rude about how they go about it and it's hard to take feedback, looking for those ways that these are the frustrations or people are the or pain points that people are hitting on and if you can figure out ways to address that that everybody else is just kind of saying well this is how we've always done it we're just not going to worry about it i think that's where it provides a lot of opportunity yeah that's awesome well um last uh, last thing we'll talk about here tell like if you're talking to a new entrepreneur or someone who is uh, just getting started um I'll, i'm going to start it with the thing that i see to kind of trigger your thoughts a little bit um, because I'm on the marketing side, you know, we have magazine company and so we're selling advertising. I find that most, most business owners, most business people start with a salesman walking through their door, selling them an ad. What should we put in this ad? And mm -hmm. that's the complete backwards of where they should start. Now we're still going to walk in through their door and sell them something, but they should have already figured out their, who they're talking to and why they're selling what they're selling and what it does for them. It's that philosophy in the back end first, before they're deciding what should we put in an ad, right? Where they allow us to come in and guide that conversation. And then we're trying to figure out what to put in an ad. And so in a lot of the um, conversations I have, a lot of the podcasts, I have them dig in and figure out why and who first. And so what's the thing you would say to an entrepreneur that that's, from your expertise, background, your experience, what is that? What what are they missing or what are they not thinking of that that you see all the time and could help them with? Yeah, I I probably in going maybe going along a little bit, maybe in a different direction. I'm always looking for the way that I can add value to them out of the shoot. In other words, if I can, if they are, if they're walking in and the first thing they do is they feel like they're going to be, they're being sold to, they're going to walk right back out. We've all been in that where, you know, especially when I've been in the stores and it feels like you walk in and from the very first second, the worst is on a car lot. The only time that people come is if they think they're going to sell you something and they just go into their pitch right off the shoot. I'm not saying you don't need to sell stuff, but it's, it comes out of the impression of, well, I don't, it's, it's off putting to the person. So one thing that we've done is even when we do like the free consultations, as an example, when you sign up for a free consultation or a paid consultation, or you're, you're signing up to be a client, we have a whole section on here are the things that we are going to do for you for free. Even if you never pay us a cent, 
We have a podcast. We can have you as a guest on the podcast. We have a place where, hey, answer this question and we will put it on our website and it will help with, we will backlink to your website. It will help you to get your good SEO and it will help you or help to improve. And you'll also, you know, see all the clients do. We have a marketplace where, you know, we don't get, all we do is link to, or show what our clients are selling and link to, here's how you can go buy it and support them. None of those out of the shoe help us to sell things more. Now, I, I would argue in the long run, it does. It creates an impression that you're helping. But out of the shoot, that takes us time, money, and effort that we had to do those systems and put them in place. We have to do a podcast. We don't advertise on the podcast. We don't charge people to come on the podcast. And yet, that is one where it feels like, hey, when they come in, they say, hey, even if I don't do anything, I can go on a podcast. I can get exposure for my business. I can go on and get backlinks and help with my SEO and traffic. I can get, and we also have, as an example, on that same or same or intake, we have a list of, hey, we if you're looking for these other people, here are some lists of how do you do product development, website design, SEO, how do you do all of, you know taxes and, and finances and all these things. We don't get a dime. We don't get any referral fees and we just keep an ongoing list. And yet they come away with a, a feeling of, hey, we got a lot of value for even just approaching them that most of the time you don't get with other companies. I mean, how many other companies are saying, here's four or five ways that we're going to help you for free, whether you go with us or not. And I think that that is oftentimes if you can or give that, not just create the impression, but actually offer that value of here are the ways that you can actually get value from us, whether or not you pay us a dime, then it's like, okay, they aren't just here to make a dollar. Not that everybody doesn't need to make a dollar, not that that's not important, but they're here is they're actually following through their mission in our case, to help startups and small businesses, we're actually doing things that show that we're there to help them. And if one of those things is the services we offer, we're going to charge you, you're going to pay us, and we're going to do a great job. But even if we can't, we still want to help or help you wherever we can. So I think that that's one of the things kind of going off of the, the sales mentality of rather than just trying to sell them out of the shoot, see how can I help them? What are the things? And even if they don't buy from me, if I can help them along their way, it still creates a good impression. And it's much more likely that the next time they need some Thing, or they do need it, they're going to come to me. Or when their friends ask about it, they're going to have a good feeling and a good impression about it. So that's kind of the, there's some or a little bit of my thoughts as to how you might go about it and, uh, and approach it. Yeah, I like that providing a lot of value, and um, we try to do that too. We make a lot of information available. But what if you're talking to someone who has a pretty standard local business, say a, a service provider, plumber, electrician, contractor? You know that. What would you recommend for them? Same thing. <laughs> no, I mean, if I were to, let's say as an example, as a plumber, you know, you could come and you could, and I'm making up off the top of my head, but you know, give me an example. So we had an HGH, HVAC person come out to our house. It was a couple of years now. And it was, uh, it was what we thought was a much bigger fix. They came out and said, Hey, this is a really simple fix. It's not a big deal. It'll take me five minutes. I'm just going to charge it for the five minutes and you don't have to pay, you know, usually have to pay the coming out to the house fee, doing this fee, this fee, this fee. And I know that they could have, and we would have been willing to pay them, but what did it do? It created a great impression. You know, I don't leave a ton of reviews. I went on left a review for them, sung their praises. I'm, you know, refer people when they ask about them. And that was kind of one of the things that they were giving value by giving you an honest answer, letting you know, you know, one of the other things that, you know, I know someone else in our community, that he's just a local realtor, right? So really just in the local area, doesn't much, but he will go on and there's food trucks. And a lot of times he will let them come and do food trucks with events in front of his office, doesn't charge him anything, just lets them use a space and people will come by. Now that 
what does that do when they come for the food truck they come for the their atmosphere they also see he's there they see the office it gives them you know an, a good impression and next time they need a realtor they'll pro that person will probably come to mind we have other people even in our community that they will do local events and they will do you know things that are just giving back that aren't doing it give you another example and i know i'm just ram or rambling god but just you asked there what right. they could do right. yeah one of the businesses that i do it's, it's it is a small this uh, small family business makes a few thousand dollars a year the main reason i do it is because my kids get to participate it's not the food truck that one's coming but it's a different one it's just a small religious uh, item for um for uh, the, the church that i'm a part of which is uh church of jesus christ of latter-day saints nicknamed mormons but it's just a, a small religious item that people can come on and purchase and so we'll ship it out in just little mailers. You know, the uh, the one of the products we ship out is just a small thing, can go in a little mailer, pretty small. And we will give in that same mailer, every single one we put out, we have a little envelope, we stamp it and say, share one with a friend. So if they order only one, we'll give them a second one free of charge, but it comes in an envelope, so share it with a friend. They get the opportunity to go share it with a friend, something fun and different for them. It's free advertising for us. In other words, now they can go out, they're sharing with a friend, friend gets a free product, they get to use it, they're now become aware of it. And so those little things that you're saying, hey, we're just a little kind of mom and pop shop, little family run store, what can we do that's innovative? Little thing like that, I think can make, set you apart, make a good impression. So those are a few things I think that you can always be looking for. Yeah, I think that's perfect. Because I, I think there's an intentionality that comes from saying, how can we you know, how can we wow a little bit? How can we make uh, someone think, oh, that was really cool. And yep. um, Amazon has done a really good job of that. You know, Jeff Bezos has that philosophy too. Just let's wow our customers. And I think that's awesome. So, well, Devin, I really appreciate you uh, coming and being part of this, uh, my podcast. It's pretty new. I'm actually going to schedule on yours. I've been, I've got some out of town stuff happening, so I haven't scheduled it yet. So um, but hopefully in March, I'd, I'm uh, excited about coming and being part of your podcast. I've been listening to them. So going through and getting a feel for what you're, you're doing on yours too. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, excited to have you on. We'll have to compare experiences and swap ideas as to how to improve it on both sides and definitely look forward to having you on and appreciate you having me on and giving me a chance to, to share a little bit about what we do and all my thoughts on the various topics. So, uh, your, give your web address for anybody curious. Yeah, so I'll actually give three ways to contact me depending on what you're reaching out for. So if you're just wanting to reach out, you have questions about intellectual property, patents, trademarks, copyrights, or anything else in the business, um, you can go on to strategymeeting.com. It goes links right to my calendar, and it's an easy way that you can schedule a free consultation. Second way is if you just want to go and check out the website, you know, we have a pretty good, I, I toot my own horn. I think we have a great website, but it shows flat fees, gives a lot of information, gives you a lot of guidance. It also has some DIY legal tools. Um, so even if we can't help you, you can uh, get some help out on that as well. Um, that's just lawwithmiller.com. So that's the second way you can reach out to me. Third way is, um, you know, I'm not overly active on most social media platforms, but I do like LinkedIn and um, I'm pretty active there. Um, so if you want to go check out my profile and connect up with me there, just go to meetmiller.com. So three ways are if you want to reach out to me for a strategy meeting, go to strategymeeting.com, go to the website, it's lawwithmiller.com, connect up with me on LinkedIn, just go to meetmiller.com. Awesome. I know Miller is a um a very common last name, but that's my wife's maiden name, actually. 
All right. Well, yes, there be. is a, a lot of Millers out there, so there's a good yeah. chance we probably aren't related, but it's always a good yeah. to, to meet a fellow Miller. <laughs> Her family's from Cache Valley, so um, the the Miller E A Miller, which is a local you know name around here, is that's her line of the family but but yeah that's awesome but cool well thanks again and uh, appreciate you coming on and taking the time and that was uh that was awesome got some great great information from you so hey my pleasure good to chat with you and thanks for having me on yeah we'll see you